0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Capillary's Loyalty Solutions offer AI-powered next-generational technology, making them a catalyst enabling meaningful human connections across the globe the platform is deep and wide yet flexible enough to meet the needs of any company looking to take its customer loyalty to new heights visit capillarytech.com now to see how they can transform your loyalty future Hello, and welcome to episode 288 of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, I'm delighted to be interviewing a loyalty technology brand that has recently joined us as a new partner on the show, and one I can't believe I didn't already know about. Capillary Technologies describes itself as Asia's leading SaaS product company. And now with global clients like Domino's, Shell, and Tata Group, they're an increasingly popular choice for loyalty programs in North America and around the world. My guests today are Anish Reddy, Executive Director and CEO based in India, and Jim Sturm, Senior Executive Responsible for Strategy based in North America. Our conversation features the latest loyalty strategies global industry trends, and best-in-class brand examples of successful loyalty programs at scale. So, Jim and Anish,
1: welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. It's great to be here. Thanks, Paula. Really good to be here.
0: Yes, and I know it's difficult to align the the time zones given where we're all located. So super appreciate the early start and late start for both of you. So let's get into it straight away. As you know, we always start this show talking about our favorite loyalty programs. So Anish, I might come to you first and foremost. I would love to hear from your career. What is your favorite loyalty program?
1: Uh, Well, I think it will be the Taj Hotels one for me. Taj is the hotel brand of the Tata Group. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been a member for a few years now. Uh, mm-hmm. And what I love about the program is there's something for everyone, right? So you you really start, uh, you know, on one of your business trips in when you sign up and, uh, you know, then they slowly graduate you out. Uh, At the end is what they call as an epicure, uh, which is actually a subscription program. It's pretty expensive, $300 or something to sign up. Mm. Uh, and they have a good set of benefits right through. So it's almost like they're hand-holding you through the whole three, four, uh, five-year journey. And what I love about it is also that, you know, as you go higher, I think some of the stuff that they give you are are just uh, 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 so aspirational, such aspirational rewards uh, that, you know, uh, you keep getting amazed with the program all the time, right? So...
0: I love that. I love that, Anish. I seem to recall somebody told me they were involved in the development of the Taj Hotels loyalty program. And I mean, like 20 years ago. So I must try and remember that. But I do remember, I mean, of course, it's a luxury brand. It's absolutely gorgeous. But the hotel loyalty sector, I would say, is super competitive. So if Taj Hotels has done stuff to consistently, as you said, hold your hand and take you on a journey, sounds very effective.
1: Yep. Uh, and I'd encourage you to sign up for them as well if you're coming to this part of the world
0: I will of course I'm not sure we have one in Dubai but listen over to you Jim I'd love to hear what's your favorite loyalty program
2: Uh, So I've been obviously in the industry for quite a while and and I'm members of lots of programs and, you know, Amazon's done a great job with with Prime and a lot of the quick serve restaurants have done a really nice job of blending in digital experiences. But my favorite uh, is a local restaurant called Burnt Barbecue and the guy has three or four locations. And the reason it's my favorite is because. Um, It gets down to relationships. He knows me. He knows how I like my food cooked when I call or I order online. It's like uh, this is Jim ordering and here's how he likes his barbecue cooked and here's the sauce he likes. And he makes my experience wonderful. And the food, the food uh, is amazing. So it's got to do with personalization and and the experience.
0: Okay, I love it. Yes. And local, Jim, where exactly are you based?
2: So I live in Dallas, Texas um okay. and, and and the food story is interesting i grew up in buffalo new york eating chicken wings and now i'm here in texas eating <laughs> barbecues <so. laughs>
0: super great well listen guys you know it's my first time i suppose talking with you learning about the company so i guess from a foundation perspective Anish, i'd love to start with you will you just tell us a bit about you know capillary technologies where did it come from and why did you start the company
1: uh, so Paula, we're, uh, as Captain we were about 14 years old, uh, you know, so we started in 2008, exactly a month before uh, Lehman Brothers' time, okay. very opportune time to really start a company. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the starting story is, look, we really took kids out of college. And uh, as we went and asked uh, folks we knew in business saying, look, what are you struggling with? What do you want us to build for you? Uh, there was this recession right then. Uh and everyone said, look, uh, customers aren't coming back. We don't know what to do to get customers back. So if you can help us, uh, b- if you can build something on, on that side, you know, we'd love to, uh, even though it's a recession, we don't mind, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, working with you guys yeah. on it, right? So, yeah. uh, so we spent six months doing that. And, uh, and we realized that, look, I think loyalty is a great way to get customers back in. Uh, and that's kind of how we started up. Uh, so... Uh, so we really play in the loyalty and customer engagement uh space you mm-hmm. know so mm. uh and so for us loyalty is more of driving the result of you know increased retention or increased uh engagement or increased sales for the brand you know because mm. when you start in a recession you know you have to drive numbers right I mean that that's what that's what uh really gets people to uh you know work with you and yeah. that's kind of how we started off uh, about 14 years ago. Wow. Uh, God's been kind, you know, we've we've been able to work with some of the best brands globally. The Tatas are very large customers, Shell, Metro, Sabre, Taj Hotels, uh, among others. So yeah, it's been a good, nice journey over the last uh, uh, 14 years or so.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, there's a a lot in common with my own journey, Anish, because I exactly got into loyalty as a result of the global recession. So certainly in the Irish market, I was made redundant in 2008. And like you, I was very lucky in that one of the biggest brands in the country had realized that they really needed loyal customers and they needed my skill set actually to deliver a loyalty proposition. So like you, I fell in love with loyalty and being able just to be loyal to your customers customers um, so congrats on a wonderful story in 14 years and some incredible clients there I always think actually that you know particularly I mean India is I think still the second biggest population in the world maybe about to become the biggest and brands like Tata Group for example they're just extraordinary in terms of their scale what kind of member base are you managing for them
1: uh you know so uh they just uh we run a group program for the tatas right? okay. so it's one program across all the they, they have 100 different businesses right so it's one program wow uh, across all the consumer businesses that they have yeah uh we are we we've crossed about 100 million members there uh right. for the for the entire group uh and you know it's, it's a coalition right so a member can join from any of the other programs and and, and, and stuff like that Great. so it's 100 million members there you know on the platform Last year, we crossed uh, a billion users
0: for the various brands that work with us.
1: So, yeah. (laughs)
0: That's Uh, extraordinary. I used to start by asking my favorite statistics. So that would definitely have uh, qualified for that. So listen, Jim, I saw some wonderful um, career in loyalty for yourself as well. So maybe you just tell us a bit about your career and all the work you've done uh, in the loyalty sector.
2: Um, so, yeah, I've been in the loyalty industry uh, for quite a while, well over 20 years. You know, I grew up as a technical person, uh, writing code long, long, long ago. But to me, life's about relationships. And and I had the special opportunity to meet an individual by the name of Hal Brewerly. Uh, I'll tell you, Hal is, uh, I call him the father of loyalty uh, because he was there in the beginning on many of the airline and hotel programs, which were the beginnings of, of structured loyalty. Um, and so I ran a company called Brierly and Partners, and I learned so much about the industry, um, and and uh, really about how these programs work. It's a very unique. I'll call it almost a unique uh, niche industry loyalty. It's kind of a mix of science and art and human psychology to a degree because it's all about it's all about relationships. It's yeah. all around you know if you take what what if you know if i'm loyal to a friend or another individual um, many of the same concepts apply uh, in the business world so yeah. uh, many businesses have realized number 1 we we must take care of our best customers we must make sure our customers are coming back but it's very important that the relationship is based on great product and also great experience and great mutual benefits so yeah. you know i worked for briarly for for 20 plus years and then uh then we this company was sold and and had the unique opportunity to meet uh, Anish and and uh, it was an immediate uh, you know the, the, it was amazing to me how powerful their platform is and Anish gave you a few numbers um, but their objective at that time was very much around we we're doing great in Asia but we figure I've got to figure out this U.S. thing and, I, and <laughs> the timing important. was perfect yeah, yeah the kind of yeah. timing was perfect kind of serendipitous and and, and yeah. so I said well let me help you. So here here we are growing very fast in the US market.
0: For sure. And I actually think serendipity is exactly a point, Jim, mm-hmm. where it's it's probably underappreciated, but actually makes a lot of relationships really feel good. So the fact that you guys met and the US has so much potential for you. And I know we're gonna get into talking, you know, about a couple of your kind of clients and case studies. Um, in that market now. So super exciting times, um, 14 years so far and plenty to go. So I guess what I wanted to to maybe get into talking about is, you know, I suppose, first of all, there's lots of ideas out there. And maybe, Jim, you'll speak to this, you know, I suppose, from a, a US perspective, given all of the programs there. Like, I'm particularly passionate about innovation and things that are really interesting and exciting for consumers, because one of the things we talk a lot on this show about is, you know, you know, points can be something that that customers just kind of maybe don't always understand or maybe just get a bit jaded with. So just with all that wonderful experience and career behind you, I do know of Briarly, of course, tell us about some of the innovation that you've seen in your career or across the industry
2: um so that's a good question and um fortunately and unfortunately i've been in the industry for a while and it's unfortunate because it means i'm getting old but with (laughs) age comes with age comes experience so i've seen a lot and these programs started long ago i mean i remember going to the supermarket with my mother when i was young and she would get snh green stamps and we'd bring the game stamps home and put them in a book and at the end if we filled the book up she got something free a free piece of cookware or something and you know the concept of customer loyalty has been around forever, but these structured programs, you're right, they started with spend and get. The hotels and airlines were there first. The innovation became, OK, let's be get beyond, you know, come nine times and get the 10th free, this spend and get. And then the introduction of points. And currency was innovative at the time, very innovative around, let's not just give something to someone. Let's give them a currency that they have to earn more of. So we're stretching their spend, right? We're really driving this accrual stretch. Then the industry came up with tears and then tiers turned into paid tiers and subscription programs are very popular now uh in terms of you know spend ten dollars a month and, and get free coffee every time you visit i i actually just joined the taco bell taco club and I, I can go every day and get a taco and and then now we're at this innovative state of i'll call it the three e's engagement experiences and emotions um so we've now evolved away from transactional, and this is kind of loyalty two dot a loyalty transactional behavior, whether it's spend or whether it's points or whether it's tiers, to now engagement behavior. Yeah. Um, we're actually working with Purina and Purina wants people to know about their brand. So you can watch videos to learn about the brand. Yeah. Highlights for children is another one. They, they want people to really understand how much they care about the family. And so watching videos and, and social engagement and community experiences mm. uh, are so important because it drives emotional loyalty. So Mary Pilecki out of uh, Forrester really is driven a lot around emotional loyalty, um, because at the end of the day. Mm. Loyalty programs themselves don't make us do more; they do, but indirectly. We we first have to love the product, right? Still, we our favorite programs are typically around a product we love. And Ishman mentions travel; I mentioned food. Um, But this emotional bond comes from your experience with the brand, how convenient they've made it. Product is, of course, important. Mm. Um, And then you have developed this emotional relationship. It's just like our friends. We have we have friends, and we have really strong friends, and some we're very emotional with, and the same thing. So this innovation has occurred, one, in concept of loyalty, but number two, now Mm. personalization is so important. So the biggest innovation now I'm seeing is around data and artificial intelligence. So taking those concepts I just mentioned to you Mm -hmm. and embedding them into the platform. So the best platforms of today have now taken these loyalty best practices that I kind of walked us through and put them into the platform. So these predictive and prescriptive models Mm -hmm. and taking what was once done by humans. And I'm not not an advocate of eliminating human jobs, but I am an (laughs) advocate of saying the platform should make a human job easier. So let's take predictive models and prescriptive models. And we even have something called nudge. Let's nudge brands for how to take these best practices, put them into programs and significantly enhance their relationships with their customers.
0: For sure. For sure. Lots in there. I like the engagement experience and emotion piece, Jim. That's super nice and simple.
2: Yeah, I'll call it three E's. I think we once talked about four P's, price and promotion. <laughs> and, and and part of promotion really has become loyalty and CRM. And, and to me, it is three E's. And, and it's just a fun way to remember it.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And niche. would you share that, I suppose, from an Asian perspective, you know, based in India, huge clients like you've just talked about, this whole concept of moving away from transactional loyalty is, I suppose, a very big theme for us on this show. And as Jim says, it is all about emotional loyalty and achieving that can be done in obviously hundreds of different ways. But what are you seeing in terms of the evolution of loyalty?
1: Uh, Paula, I think uh, very similar stuff for Nisha as well. I think the purpose of loyalty really is uh, you know, to, to bring about that subconscious preference for a brand, right? You know, that subconsciously I prefer something, right? And if you're able to deliver that, we've delivered loyalty to the (laughs) brand, or to the product, right? I love it.
0: Yeah. And I think
1: at some point in time, that preference was built through knowing, look, uh, that this brand offers the best value to me, Mm -hmm. which is the stamps that Jim was talking about. But, you know, I think today's generation has changed significantly, right? Yeah. Today, you know, I think there must be 10-15% of people who look for value, uh mm-hmm. but there are others who look for something else, right? So I think what's fundamentally happened in loyalty is this whole one size fits all approach of a points program, I think is 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 kind of broken, right? I mean, and, and if over. you look at us <laughs> as a generation now, yeah, we just so different from each other, right? I mean, in the same house, my brother is so different from me, right? So yeah. uh and uh, so I think I think what we what we beginning to see, at least in Asia also, is loyalty moving to becoming more personalized so the program is also has a few things in it think of it like a swiss uh, army knife and you know yeah. different people want different stuff from the program right so there are folks who would want the value uh side so you might still have the points mm-hmm. there are folks who really want very aspirational uh benefits you know that uh you know you really got a very nice bump up when you were
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh there with your family you know and yeah. that's going to stick with you for yeah. Uh, next five years right so uh so things like that so i i do see a lot of uh programs moving out from just doing points and transactions and uh stuff to more habit forming stuff yeah uh you know or you know trying to uh get you a much better experience i think when you can wow someone with great experience i think they just you just uh you know take a switch off on the subconsciously for totally. to them. Yeah, right, so. yeah.
0: Loyal for life. So you huh? see a lot of that happening. Yeah.
2: yeah. You know, Paula, I, I'd i want to add one thing, <laughs> and it's a concept of, of value. So today, our most precious commodity is time. And the ability to create a digital experience that really is very personalized for me. In other words, I can order really quickly. I can get first in line. I can pick up fast. They they make sure it's done to my personal likings. This yeah. This really... Gets to the true value becomes the, 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 the experience, the digital experience that's created and loyalty advances that significantly.
0: For sure. And the one that actually I've written a lot about in the past um, is I know a client of yours and I do believe that this is exactly why that they've won so many awards, for example, and that's Domino's who, you know, they're so innovative. I think at one stage when I was researching them, they had something like 13 different channels to order. And to me, that's an immediate way to drive loyalty, make it easy, make it accessible, and again, build in alongside the loyalty proposition so I'd love to hear a bit about that because I know it's a, a, a global client for you guys.
1: Paula, I think Domino's has a great program globally. You know, I think they've really been able to build uh, loyalty for, you know, their users. And, uh, and and you know, we've had a relationship with them for many years now. Uh, mm. And to the point that Jim made on uh, personalization and time, right? Uh, sure. What we realize is uh, pizza ordering is one such thing. So I'll, I'll just give you an example there. So we we ran this experiment to saying, look, there are three offers, and there's one offer only that is going out to two very statistically similar cohorts. Okay. Uh, which which emailer do you think got like a better response rate? There were three offers, so a customer could choose from three. Yeah. And There was just one single offer, right, which was uh, sent to like. Uh, to a group.
0: What a great question. So I'm going to guess that uh, giving people the choice of three pizzas means there's more people can choose their favorite. So I would guess that would have a higher conversion rate, no?
1: No, actually. So we saw that, you know, the, the one that we sent where there was a single thing meant yeah. lesser, you know, lesser cognitive Overload. load. And okay. We actually saw that look. Uh, and so now uh, whenever we run campaigns or whenever we run anything in terms yeah. of communication... Yeah. it's always personalized you know the idea is that, look if i have to give you three and you have to think we're seeing very clearly with data that look most people don't want that they want something that works for them 80 90% of the time okay you know, and uh, so some pretty good learnings there in fact uh, with with a lot of the uh, uh, we see that behavior of consumers just wanting to do the same thing okay. again and again and again for at least 30 35% of uh, the 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 user group right that they just want the same thing. They don't want to know what new, what this, what that. So, And there are others who want the new stuff all the time, right? So, totally. So I, I, I do think uh, Domino's in that sense is is actually, you know, the 13 uh, 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 ordering channels you spoke of. or yeah. They they get that really well. That look, uh, people just want to know how much they need to know. They don't yeah. want to know everything that you have about them or yeah. just make it like really personalized uh, in that sense. So. Totally.
0: Yeah. I have a favorite pizza, Anish, and I know exactly. And Domino's do an exceptional sauce that I can't get anywhere else. So <laughs> totally gets my vo- uh, my vote. But I want to just go back as well, Anish. Um, You talked there about uh, the subconscious part of loyalty. And that's something to me that is um, absolutely true. Like with every fiber of my being, I know that there are brands that I'm just loyal to because along the way, they've done things right for me. But I guess, you know, when I'm thinking about the audience listening to the show as, you know, loyalty directors and practitioners, you know, a lot of the time we're challenged with proving that we have created, for example, transactional loyalty and measuring those kind of things and the results of our investment can be extremely difficult. So what would you be saying to your kind of clients in terms of measuring success when they're building their loyalty propositions?
1: Well, I think that's a great question, Pauline. And like you said, you know, I think the industry struggles with that. Uh, you know, over the last fourteen years, I think the first six, seven, eight years, even we, you know, spent a lot of time thinking. You know, how do you measure ROI? How do you measure? You know, what's the incremental value of what uh, uh, what loyalty uh, is delivering? Right. So, yeah. and I kind of filter that down into two things now when we mm-hmm. talk to our our customers. Okay. I think the first part, first part is just how interested is your user user base in the in the program how okay. much interest are you able to create okay. and i think that comes from very simple are you able to sign enough people up you know is 40 50% of the user base signing up and are you creating a habit right uh you know which is are they opening the app three times or are they using the the uh, the program every time they come into the store or something like that right so
0: okay the second okay. thing
1: which is where we actually link it to transactions is uh you know we we believe that loyalty actually starts delivering after a redemption or after you know that yeah. subconscious switch has to get switched on right something has to drive that right so either they've had a wow experience or either they've had a redemption or you've given them something you know which kind of wowed them yeah so we actually start measuring impact of loyalty after that fast that the first wow moment wow right so we Uh, so let's say there are two cohorts of customers, one who's not gone on to redeem anything ever. Yeah. Right? They're still coming to you and spending, right? So, and then there is a second cohort of customers where, you know, they did their first three, four transactions, got to a place, redeemed something, got a nice wow experience. You know, you send them something on their birthday, something, right? But you know that, look, this could have switched something subconsciously. And we measure how these two cohorts have behaved subsequently. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and... Like we've generally seen the second cohort being at least 40, 50, 60% more in terms of spend than the first one. And once you do that, you know, there's a very clear view, even subconsciously, right? I mean, I I speaking to Taj, you know, once I got a great experience at Taj, the next time I'm booking a hotel, I'll first look for Taj. Yeah. So it's just, we're just trying to measure that, you know, what's the value of that subconscious switch?
0: And we've generally
1: seen that to be very, very clean ROI, right? So you see the cohort starting to diverge quite nicely, you know, once that redemption event or that surprise event uh, ends up happening.
0: Yeah, I love that, Anish. And I think only once before on the show, um, a very big airline out of the US uh, talked to me that their first KPI was measuring the speed to the first redemption. So exactly to your point, This idea that the moment of truth actually only comes through exactly when you've closed the loop delivered from your side. So that's super interesting from a measurement perspective. And I'm guessing, Jim, you've probably got a lot of lessons along the way as well. So tell us any, you know, maybe important lesson that you think loyalty professionals listening, um, you know, could learn or or should learn in terms of their loyalty programs.
2: Um. Let me start with what Anish just spoke spoke about and you asked, because this is a really important lesson. So traditionally, um, first of all, CFOs would tend to say, look, my best customers come back no matter what. So why do I need to spend a bunch of money on loyalty? Right. My best customers come back no matter what. And then the industry became this this incrementality measure of measuring members of program versus non-members of program or post-launch versus pre-launch. Well, there's a lot of other factors that can influence those, those uh, increases that you see. But we found Um, in Kepler that exactly what Anish described around taking a look at people that have redeemed versus non-redeemers. So now we're even comparing the members of a program, but folks that haven't redeemed versus those that have. And the results are significant and drastic. And we've gotten a lot of CFOs to acknowledge, yes, this is the best measure I've seen. So it's unique. Um, And so therefore, what you need to do as part of a program, strategically, these programs are about how do I develop a relationship? How do I motivate a customer to Earn enough to achieve a reward. So you've got to take a lot of those best practices that I talked about and loyalty tactics and launch a structured program a promised program and drive redemption so the first lesson learned is redemption is good mm-hmm. um many times in the past I've heard people say yeah let people earn and then hopefully they don't redeem and breakage is good no that concept is completely flipped uh number one r- r- redemption is is really good and yeah. then digital there's you know the second one I could go on and on and on for for uh, for for what's really working but digital experience is great we've already talked about it yeah uh, we are time starved and we also are you know there was a great commercial from staples with the easy button okay and remember the big red easy button and i don't know what it was but they you press the easy button whatever you wanted was there right so as humans now we are overloaded right i I think i once read that today if you pick up a a a, a copy of the new york times and, and read it you've 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 been presented more information than you were in a lifetime Back in like the seventeen hundreds, so so we we are so overloaded as human beings, and, and our minds cannot process all that's happening. So yeah. this digital experience created creating an experience of convenience and and making my relationship with a brand easy. They know me. They they tell they remember me. They know my name. They 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 make my experience easy. Yeah. Um, driving towards that is really the end goal. Digital experience and loyalty have become the same. And fortunately, the pandemic accelerated that because while beforehand, it was tough to get budgets to make sure that brands truly had a truly omni-channel digit experience, well, the Mm. pandemic forced that. So those are sort of two lessons learned
0: love it love it and you've reminded me actually Jim my favorite book title of all time was literally on exactly what you've talked about it was called don't make me think and as soon as I saw that title I was like that is genius I feel yeah. so overwhelmed so that easy button that you just referenced that is exactly what loyalty needs to be even if behind the scenes we have a lot of complexity and we need all the technology to be super clever at the end of the day the simplification needs Needs to happen for the consumer. And I, I definitely agree with this point about redemption. I'm just thinking about other loyalty programs as well, where they might be bringing in more accessible rewards, for example. So, you know, something that's very easy. Um, I'm thinking of coffee companies, for example, you can even just redeem like a, a flavored shot, for example, is your first redemption instead of having to, to, to do 10, for example. So really, really good examples there. And I'm thinking as well, I suppose, just globally, because you guys have this perspective, you know, Asia and you know the US. Would you say there's very different um, trends happening globally in terms of what you're seeing with your clients? Maybe Anish, you might talk on that one.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, there's some some trends which are quite global, right? Uh, Paula, one is the uh, you know I think the cookies are going to end. There's a need for zero-party data. Uh, and that's both sides of the world, right? Yeah. So I think, uh, so you, you're starting to see that uh, the second trend which Jim spoke of is again, I think very global, which is loyalty and experience coming together,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, right? So yes. I've seen more brands wanting to launch loyalty through an app, whether it's a shell, whether it's an abort, which are all customers of us uh, in the last three, four, five years compared to, you know, the last many years, right? So, uh Cool. So I think that's yeah. that's a big trend. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think on the U.S. side, another trend we are starting to see quite a bit, uh, which at least encourages me a lot, is uh, a lot of businesses wanting to move to good technology away from agencies and services, and you know, so that's a trend that we're seeing like quite a quite a bit. That folks want good tech, you know, folks want a good bit of AI in the product, uh, yeah. which. Uh, unlike and want to move away from some of the recent wins have been saying, look, we don't want to work with this agency we've worked with for 15 years, but you mm. want to move to our tech, which is more self-serve, you know, on a click, I can do something, you know, so that's another big trend yeah. that we're starting to see uh, in the US. Yep. In Asia, I think the bigger trends we're seeing is uh, a lot of conglomerates, you know, like unlike the US, 50% of all businesses owned by probably the top 100 conglomerates in Asia wow. right so it, it it's just the way yeah. Asia is uh in that sense a lot of these folks coming up and saying look okay I have 50 businesses but it's the same consumer buying from all those businesses yeah right so why shouldn't I have one one group program like the Tata stuff or yeah. we run something similar for the Alpha Thames uh so that's a big trend we're seeing uh on this side of the world another trend we're seeing is uh Loyalty getting into the small business space, that is the B to small B. You know, earlier loyalty would be very consumer focused, right? But we're starting to see a lot of large consumer Mm -hmm. brands saying, look, there's the small retailer who buys from us. Can I do something for him? There's a small painter who's my primary customer. Can I run an influencer program for the painter? I think some of these are, I think in that sense, we're seeing loyalty expand out from the usual retail, travel, hospitality into much more of conglomerates, much more of uh, uh, small business focused businesses as well. Mm. So.
0: so it seems to be loyalty is relevant for everyone in business, if they're particularly consumer. And we know there's plenty of B2B and B2E as well. But um, yeah, no, interesting observations, particularly agree with the move away from agencies, Anish. Um you know, there definitely is this idea that actually I want a tech company that feels like a partner and the future proofing, I think, is something they want a lot of visibility on as well. So a lot of reassurance, I guess, in terms of, you know, what you guys are building and uh, longer term, which I don't think anyone can represent as well as you guys can yourselves. Um, and I guess, Jim, the same question to you then in terms of global trends, would you have any other observations, you know, sitting in the US compared to uh, to what Anisha is seeing?
2: It's been fat. The last year has been fascinating because being a loyalty industry, passionate. Uh, uh, member of, it's been fun to watch what's happening throughout Asia. And I think Anisha hit on all all the main points, but I'll resonate a few. Number one, this conglomerate business model and holding companies is very predominant throughout throughout Asia. And in fact, especially with some of the smaller companies. Mm. So uh, it's very popular um, and the need for a highly flexible platform. The other point to emphasize is really this move from agency to software as a service, cloud providers that have taken much of the you know, the data analytics and the strategy that was traditionally done by agencies embedded it into the platform. Not all of it, but some of the core essences of it, yeah. making sure every day you're sent reminders of what you what could be done to make your program more powerful. But this is something that's universally uh, applicable. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, the only other thing I've seen is really is really besides the the time starved human beings that we are. Um <laughs> totally. This is this is one category that the US market has been a little bit ahead of Asia uh, in. Uh, However, um, um, Asia is very strong from a tech perspective. So I found that these platforms like Capillary uh, have been built and are extremely powerful and and we're seeing a tremendous, tremendous appetite for
0: yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree, actually. I think on both sides of the world, there are things to learn. Um, and I always look to Asia for, you know, the the, the coolest idea. Again, the scale is astronomical. Really um, and perhaps it has been developed more recently. Uh, I did love when you mentioned earlier, Jim, about s stamps, because I don't think there's a lot of people who really realize the origins of the history of loyalty. But no. I, I love that. I did read actually a statistic that... I think it was in the 1960s there was more SNH stamps in um, in issuance than the US Postal Service so okay. There you go. I'm certain there
2: was. There was. I used to present when I presented to clients. I present uh, two slides just to tell what loyalty is. Yeah. And one was from the TV show Cheers. If you remember the show Cheers, Norm would come in the bar and everyone knew Norm's name. Yeah. And the other one was the easy button that I mentioned. And then I realized after I showed the Cheers slide and I was getting blank stares, I realized, uh oh, Jim, you're getting too old. Nobody knows what (laughs) Cheers. Oh dear. (laughs) <laughs> but that's the essence of, of what these programs are about. It's about knowing. You know, simply totally. saying thank you is still critically important. Oh, I, mean, I totally customers agree. want to be known and said thank you.
0: Totally. Yeah, shouldn't be about just getting them to buy something all the time. That's one of my favorite recommendations. So totally aligned. So I guess my final question for both of you is, you know, so many people listening to this show have very well-established loyalty programs. Um, they listen to it, I guess, for new ideas. We've talked about some of the innovations, but I do think it's important to be thinking ahead. So again, To both of you, maybe Anish, I'll come to you first. You know, given that we're coming into 2023, I'm sure everybody's planning some fantastic new activities for next year. But what do you think loyalty directors should be thinking about in terms of refreshing their program as we come into the new year?
1: I think uh, one of the best programs that we're seeing uh, work uh, are the ones where they have something for everyone. You know, I think as individuals, we've just become so different, uh, you know, and it's very visible, right? As a community, I think we're very different as individuals now than probably we were 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. So it's very different sub-segments and very different um, personalities and what we identify with, et cetera, right? So, yeah. and I do think hence loyalty also needs to move from this one size, one program fits all approach to a, a personalized loyalty view, like a, you know, so uh, I think it has to start with, you know understanding what each of these segments want and then kind of having a swiss army knife i mean good tech which can deliver all that without showing that complexity to the consumer yeah right so uh yeah i think uh yeah as, as and, I, and we're seeing a lot of that which is as people think of redoing their loyalty that the whole personalization segmenting it right i think some of those is yeah. what i would uh i would recommend very strongly
0: yeah. I think we've been talking about her for a long time, Anish, um, but not everybody's managed to achieve it. I think sometimes people do find it super complex. So absolutely, it, it, it's you know non-negotiable now. It just has to be delivered. So really good point. And Jim, then from your perspective, what do you think uh, loyalty marketers should mm-hmm. be thinking about for 2023? I,
2: so I don't think they should overthink it. It gets down to know who your customer is, to, okay. to many of the points Anish made. You really need to know who your customer is. In, in today's data practices and and the ability to to build a program that brings people in you learn so much about them so know who your customer is ask talk to your customer ask them give them surveys to, uh, get feedback in every mag- manner that you can. And then like good relationships, uh, be very relevant and conversational and really give customers what they want, um, whether it's a whether it's a great digital experience, uh, whether it's a rich reward, uh, whatever uh, mm. it may be. But it, yeah. it really gets today's technologies make it so that <clears throat> you can deploy. Uh, platforms that really help you know who your customer is, but get back to the basics of relationships, know your customer, develop a relationship uh, Mm. and, and, and treat them like the human being that they are.
0: Totally. And would you say it's the same then, Jim, the same advice, I guess, for maybe people who are starting for the first time to build a loyalty program versus those who are, you know, further along the journey that we talked about? Would you have any different advice for people maybe just starting on the loyalty journey?
2: Uh, no except a stronger emphasis on starting <laughs> to understand who your customer is right because most it. companies that have don't have a program yeah. you know the, and you mentioned multiple industries like the cpg and manufacturing industry are are really starting out and the first question I'll ask is well how, who is your customer and how do you know well we've done we've done syndicated research and we get feedback but we we really don't know who our customer is we don't have any segmentation we can't decile we can't profile we have very little demographics except for using our eyes to and so it really gets down to find a way to figure out how to get to know your customer better um, and, and, and start to gather this uh, rich insights and this rich data and then use it for your customers' benefits. Yeah. Stop the focus of using it for your benefits mm-hmm. and use it for your customers' benefit to make their experience truly better.
0: And that is, again, totally aligned, Jim. <laughs> that is my my single most strongly held view about loyalty. Our responsibility is to be loyal to our customers. So, uh, yes. wonderful that's piece true. of advice. Yeah. So, that's all from my perspective. Um, I might just give you one final opportunity, maybe Anish to you first, if there's anything else that you think you wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up today.
1: Uh, I think we're at a very interesting time when digital data loyalty all of these are kind of nicely coming together. Uh, totally. You know, yeah. so. Super excited on where the industry is heading.
0: Okay, great. And Jim, any final words of wisdom?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked this because I forgot to mention something. So, actually, the
2: number one criteria of success for a loyalty program is the people on the front end. So, whether it's a store associate or whether it's the customer service organization. And uh, I will tell you back to your last question, you really need people starting this out to really understand how important those individuals are because they will make or bake your program. My favorite thing to do, so having been in the industry for so long, my favorite thing to do is go places and then people will say, hey, do you want to join a loyalty program? And I'll (laughs) say, you know what? I don't get these things. How do these work? And I I just don't (laughs) understand them. And that person can either convince me why I should join or yeah. they can be like, oh, well, forget it. It probably isn't any good. And I don't. So I think yeah. um, we cannot forget about the human beings and the technology that you put that customers first experience when we're talking to them about a product.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. And I've said it on the show a few times, Jim, you know, if they can't, you know, sell it to me literally in a way that they genuinely believe <clears> at the point of right. sale then right. they've already lost me and I and I pity the poor loyalty manager who, who really thinks they've done a good job if they can't deliver. So um, so wonderful advice. Listen, guys, I have really enjoyed the conversation already looking forward. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about in the future again. So with all of that said, Anish Reddy, executive director and CEO, and Jim Sturm, senior executive responsible for strategy, both for Capri Technologies. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty.
1: Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paula.
0: This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer The world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news insights and research The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals For more information check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.